Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Advocacy Channel, a customer marketing podcast presented by Sasquatch. I'm your host, Will Fraser, and I'm excited to have Matt Barnett, the CEO of Bonjoro, join me on episode 14. Tune in as Matt and I discuss what true customer loyalty is, how to score your advocates, and the secret sauce required to delight any customer. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us here today. Hi, everyone. Uh, glad to be here. You know, uh, we just kind of got a quick intro of this show before uh, the audience started hearing us here, but I'd love it if you could just start us off for those who don't know and just give us a quick uh, overview of uh, Bonjoro and, and what you guys are up to out there. Yep, sure thing. Uh, my name's Matt. I'm the, the Pat Bear and CEO of, of Bonjoro. We're based out of uh, Sydney, Australia team scattered around the world uh, so basically we, we we originally were a video messaging tool so what we do we have a system that plugs into your kind of customer journey so it works with with your crm with your tools and what we found is that at certain points on a customer journey uh, rather than just sending like a, a two-dimensional email or or, or, or or dare say a mass a mass message out to customers uh, at some points if you check in in person using video and specifically using a asynchronous video so rather than a zoom call quick little like 30 second videos that say, hey, hey Zoe, I saw you sign up a couple of days ago. I see that you've done X, Y, and Z, but you haven't done this final step, which is really important. If you need help, please let us know. My name's Matt, just hit reply. I'll give you a hand. Otherwise, most importantly, welcome on board and I hope you're having a wonderful day. That little 30 second video that you drop into that customer journey, especially kind of with leads and with new inquiries, so powerful in getting across like your, your brand, your personality, and most importantly, making a bit of a human connection. By making it asynchronous, aka you send the video and then you go back to work, versus two ways. It's extremely fast to do as well. So you can get like across a lot of this humanity, this personality, without having to have like a half an hour call. Um, that's kind of how we started. And we, we built that to solve one of our own problems. It kind of worked and kind of built off. And then what we realized over time is that what we really do here, become, I always say the company's not, not about video. Video is a medium to talk. It's wonderful. But what we really do is help companies create more loyalty because by having that human interaction as you would do it in your in your barista or, or you know, on the on the bricks and mortar shops you go to yeah that human connection starts to build loyalty um with customers so we've started to now expand that and we, you know, we look at loyalty and we'll talk more about this but this idea of creating loyalty in a more systematic way and then the other side of loyalty is you can use it as well so we've just released a product that's around um an easy way to kind of collect manage and share video testimonials obviously we understand video um, so the idea of collecting loyalty and then starting to use this to try and help with conversions. And now we're just going to start to fill in the pieces in between. Um, and build, build, yeah, the goal is to build a platform that essentially has a loyalty-first approach to how you build customer journeys and how you keep customers ultimately for life. You know, it's interesting. You, you kind of said you, you, used, you created this originally to scratch uh, your own itch. Um, where did the idea of, of trying this on mass come from? Was it just kind of a, a harebrained moment in a meeting or did you guys have some data? I just love to kind of understand, you know, how did you identify that itch and that this might be a possible way to solve it? Yeah, so look, we've worked on video for a long time. So we, so we have another company that does, it's basically a research company, which I no longer really set across, uh, based out of the UK. Uh, and we were using video, this is like super early, using basically mobile video to, to collect qualitative data back from from from, from people for, for research, yeah? So we get people to go out shopping on camera, essentially. Mm. Give all that information back to Kraft or to Unilever, and they were using this for qualitative research. But those clients, you're talking about like enterprise and agency clients, and like we live in Australia, <laughs> small market. So all those clients are based in you know, London, Paris, New York, essentially. 
So we would try building from here. We were doing sales overseas and we build a little funnel. So we have inquiries coming in and we were then going and using email because time zones to convert them. I'm not a great writer. Like I'm all about the, I'm all about the fact, like I, I, I'm the guy you send in, you know, in, in, into the room with the crazy pitch, you know, wearing a kilt kind of woo and schmooze <laughs> everyone. Yeah. And that, that's how, that's how I can make my connections. Kind of like an email. So I was like, I need to get me in front of people. And so we just basically started, whenever the lead came in, we'd, we built a little hack where I'd record a video, we'd upload it and send it off to them. So the first piece of comms they would get would be like me on a boat going past the opera house in Sydney Harbour. Like, like to say, hey, I saw you came aboard. You know, I see you're with Budweiser. We, we, we work with Heineken, yada, yada, yada. And they'd be always wind in my hair. You couldn't really understand me. But what happened was that having that as a first piece of comms, this crazy guy on a boat, and it helped that it was like creative agencies and creative teams. They just, <laughs> yeah. they, they just loved it. They're like, come in and see us. Like, come in. And I walk into the office and everyone would be like, you're the, you're, you're, you're the guy on the boat. So people felt like they already knew me. From like a th- <laughs> I, I, I never met them before. And so you have this, it's a connection. I, you know what? The penny didn't drop, right? It was, it's called sales hack. It was great. Yeah. Um, until one of those clients was like, hey, can we use this video thing with our customers? And we're like, yeah, sure. And then we kind of came back to Australia me and my me and my CTO spent a weekend with with probably beers and pizza. Built it, put them on it. Um, it worked, and it, it was awful. It was, it was still clunky as hell, and it worked. And, <laughs> and then that customers customers came in. They're like, "Oh, can we also use this?" And so you just see these things snowball. And what you realize is, I think, but this is partly timing, right? Like five years ago, four or five years ago, trying to make connections online was even harder than it is now. Like you know, we've seen the rise of video. I don't think Riverside existed back then. Like Zoom was in its infancy and so you've seen the rise video but at the time people like me and, and i'm sure like you guys were going well how do we connect with people online and you'd come off this mm. wave where you know scale was great and then suddenly as humans were like oh hang on a minute i miss i miss human connection again and we were starting to kind yeah. of fill in some of that gap i think that's that's awesome. I, I love that. You know, I, I need to see one of these videos of you on a boat uh, going in front of the opera house there and just uh, to see how they uh, how they work. But um, I love that. I love the idea. Like just like, you know, that nothing quite like that entrepreneurial spirit. Right. When someone's like, can you do this? It's like, yeah, absolutely. We can do this. That, for sure. No problem. 100 percent. We'll go make it. We're not going to tell you that part necessarily, yeah. but I want to go make it and we'll get it back to you. Um, yeah. And your CTA is always like, you said what? <laughs> I'm like, no, come on, we're going to do this. <laughs> yeah, but, but don't worry. I, we, we've got all week to deliver it. We've yeah. got all week. It's totally fine. Yeah. Um, but as you said, you know, this is kind of about building that, that, that connection, that, that sense of loyalty. Um, and I think that's a really interesting challenge you look at because, um, you know, I think we have seen video and we do see video more through a, a sales lens today than we have in the past. Um, but I'd say that it's, it's often missing what you're talking about here, which is like, I think that genuine intention to want to connect. Uh, and it's more um, as like a very perfunctory sales tool. Um, so I, I love the way you kind of took it, but, but maybe you can kind of, you know, help us, you know, understand this, this idea of, of you know, how do we use this to build that, that, that true loyalty, as you call it, that true loyalty with the customer. Um, and it, well, I guess, first of all, what do you define as that true loyalty with the customer? Yeah, so like, the word loyalty has been banded around a lot online. And if you go Google and type in loyalty, you're probably going to start to see either like MPS scoring software uh, or loyalty rewards programs or discount software. Yeah, now, now the, it's not to say these are not elements of the loyalty journey, but they now come to me in loyalty. I'm like, that's, that's, that's not loyalty. I like those little parts, yeah. But loyalty is essentially, I guess, the intention of a customer to, to, stay, to stay with you and stay, stay with the brand for a, a, a longer period of time. 
Yeah, and so for me, the loyalty journey starts from the, from the first interaction you ever have, a, have with somebody, which can be a visit to your website, be the first time they come in the shop, um, until the last interaction you have with them, which which you know hopefully should be many many years in the future. Yeah? They don't even have to stay as a customer for this time. You know, you have loyal people loyal to brands who are not necessarily purchasers, and so the loyalty journey is that whole piece. And then when you look at how like we talk about loyalty and how it matters to business, again, there's these two flywheels that I like to think about, which is creating more loyal customers, you know, and this is kind of like, same thing about customers, they, they basically will fall into into five like baskets, yeah? So you have like passive, once again, customer, you have passive customers, you have active, you have engaged, which means they're talking to you. You have what we call advocates who were, who are massive fans of your brand. And then you have what, what, what we like to call super fans, which is the next stage, which are the people who will tattoo you on their arm or go and tell everyone they know about it, yeah? And you take, you can systematically take customers like up a number of stages across a journey. And you could do this from, again, loyalty, customer experience kind of point of view. So you create more loyal customers, the benefit being that, that, that they stay with you longer. So ultimately, right. yeah, this comes down to the, the value of like lifetime value. Customer will spend a certain amount. The longer they stay with you, the more they're going to spend over that time. And so that customer might, might be a $50 customer, but they become a $5,000 customer because they stay for 10 years. Yeah, so it, it does pay back. The other flywheel is once you have the loyal customers, they can also become a, become a growth channel, you know? And so this is another area I think the businesses kind of fail at, not through intention, but it's quite hard to do and to get your head around and to understand is that if you have advocates and super fans in that age, they will tell other people about you. They will refer business in. They will do case studies. They will do testimonies. They will come in and help you build a better product or better service by, by giving you feedback and doing research and being early testers for you. They will hop into communities and, you know, and chat and help your other customers and, be, and start forums about you. So there's a, there's a, there's a big and like slightly more intangible way that you can use customers, which will start to build your funnel. Yeah, yeah. And the companies that do this best, it means your marketing budgets kind of fall down because you've already got your channel here. Yeah. So again, like to bring it back. You need to create more loyalty, which is an entire journey. It's not just certain things like rewards and, and discounts. And then you need to leverage those. And there's, and we're, we're just one of the tools that you can use along this journey. And you, you kind of quickly touched on them there, but you kind of had a few different stages of that journey. Um, and, you know, you kind of mentioned the, the super fan and the advocate. And I, I think those are probably the ones that our audience are, are you know, maybe able to picture the best. Um, but kind of what were those earlier stages you, you said there again? And kind of what did those look like um, in your mind? How do you kind of identify someone moving through those stages? Yeah. And so and these are, like, I'll talk about it in terms of like once customers paid as well, because it's easy to even, sure. even because this plays out, doesn't matter if they pay you, this still plays out. Yeah. So passive is I go and purchase something. I don't need to ever go back. I don't remember the name. I'm not gonna, like, I'm not engaged with anything at all. I've just purchased the product and, that, and that's it. Yeah, I've, I've satisfied my need and then I'm off and I'll go and purchase from your competitor next time and, and someone else next time and someone else next time. So although I've spent money with you, I'm in no way, there's no guarantee that I'll ever come back to you as well, yeah? This could also be SaaS right. platforms where you are paying on a monthly basis, but as soon as something better comes along, I'm off. Then you have active, which is somebody who, who is active, actively like aware of the brand. They are, you know, they potentially like read, read some material, consumed some more content, done more than just just to put down the credit card and purchase the product. You mm -hmm. know, again, this is in product. Like a good thing to think about is like in, in subscription products, we're in there. We are using the product. You know, right. we're not. I wouldn't say we're like loyal yet, but we're using it on a regular basis. We we maybe invite some t some team in. Doesn't mean we won't we won't, we won't go away with something better, but we're there. We're, we're we're primed if you like. You then have engaged, which is yeah. like. I, 
I've, I've, I've talked with the team. I've engaged online in social content. I've commented back on some, on some content. I, I'm reading content on a, on a regular basis. You know, I maybe join the Facebook group or LinkedIn group that follows that. So again, I'm, I'm actually actively taking part myself in that brand beyond the purchase. And then you get to advocate, which is when I'm, I'm then actively going out and talking about it and saying that I feel great about this. Yeah. I, I might not, like, interesting about advocates. One thing I'll say is like, a lot of people who are advocates won't necessarily ever, ever refer you new business, not because they don't want right. to, but because they're not, they're not, they're, it's not top of mind or, or they haven't been told to do it or there's no reason to. The super fans next level when they are, they do everything they can to refer you new business and they go out of their way. And they turn up on yeah. like your doorstep, <laughs> like <laughs> these, these are great. Like these are great, but yeah. And, and, and this is a, and this is a pyramid, right? So, so you're only ever you're always probably going to have more passive customers than active. Than get the bottom of the pyramid could change, but yeah, you can get more active than passive, and you can get more engaged and active than passive. I think once you get to like advocate super fans, you will naturally see a, a bit of a trend down um, because these are potentially certain personality types as well. And then each of us, I think, is really like an advocate of a small number of brands and we're super fans of probably only like one or two, maybe even one, you know, you see some sports teams from there, I think. Um, so everyone only has the capacity to be a super fan of a couple of things. Yeah. So don't expect to get all your customers there, but you know, from engaged up, it's, it's all good news and it's all increasing lifetime value and it's all increasing channels. Yeah. I, I like kind of the comment you made there about advocates that, you know, they, they might refer you, but it's not top of mind. Um, you know, I think that's a, in a world of product-led growth, that's always an important one to remember that, you know, sometimes we have to, to help people grow, whether it's into super fans or whether it's into to doing a case study for us or whatever it might be. Um, and, and definitely, you know, I, I see that, that, that pyramid play out. And, and you're right, it is interesting. It can kind of invert at the bottom and turn maybe into yeah. a diamond if you're really good. Um, but yeah, just like, I know when I, you know, we used to do a lot of work around uh, social media content creation and, uh, you know, there's just this reality, like there's just 80, 90% of the world that's just never going to post, yep. <laughs> you know, they're just, just not who they are. Um, you know, we talked about these stages, but now, you know, you kind of mentioned, you know, so we can systematically build or, or progress people through these stages. Um, what have you found as a, as a method to be able to, to bring people along that journey or what kind of, uh, thinking do we need to have to be able to develop someone from a passive to, uh, to an advocate or maybe even to a super fan? Yes. Yeah, there's two parts to this. I'll, I'll, I'll point, like, so first of all, like, you need to understand your customer journey. So I'll, I'll chat about that. And then I think once you have that, then you know, we, we chatted before about like, this whole idea of like, this, like a scoring model. Because how do you mm. know if someone's an advocate or a super fan or, or, or engaged, yeah? Um, I'll talk about the, the journey first and then kind of how we look at people, yeah? So like, you'll hear this described different ways. Like customer journey map is probably one that's quite commonly used. So mm. like, after, after you listen to this, go and get a piece of paper. Or or, uh, or 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 whatever you want to use any kind of graphical software. Sit down with, yeah. with 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 your team. Basically, what you want to do is is work out the customer journey from a comms point of view through your business. Yeah, and and there's what I'm not going to talk about here is things like product touch points and stuff. Um, things they do like they'll do off their own. Yeah, because the idea is is that you as a team can increase this by doing like act, act, like active work. Um, there are some things people will just get, you know, walk into a shop and, and buy your product because it's there on the shelf. Yeah, that's not something that necessarily that you can control from like a, from a customer's success point of view. So what you want to do is you want to kind of work out what the targets are that you want to take a, a customer through. You know, so like how you take them from being you know, a lead to a paying customer to a repeat customer to, again, potentially this advocate, super fan, an active referrer. Yeah, and again, th this journey is from the second they touch 
your brand in some way, which could be social, could be website, could be they see a billboard until they, I, don't, I, don't, I was going to say die, but you know, like, until they, until they, <laughs> they, until they yeah. moved on to the, you know, to the next stage of life, yeah. Um, you might want to create user personas. This depends on your company and how complex you are. So, so we do this to the extent. So we have like e-commerce customers, SaaS customers, and we have services customers. We, we will take those down slightly diff- different journeys because they do have different problems, different buy- buying personas. Um, if you're mm-hmm. simple, if you're just an e-commerce platform, you might want to keep it much simpler, so you don't necessarily need to do this part. But I think the point here is that you need to understand their motivations, their pain points, what they're trying to solve with your service or product. And again, for different customer personas, that might be, like, might be different. So look at like, what they're trying to um, solve. If you don't know that, go talk to <laughs> more customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go, go figure that one out and then, then come on back. Yeah, and wants versus needs. It's not necessarily what they want, what they need and what, and what you satisfy. Um, then, then the next point, most importantly, is you want to map the journey on this piece of paper, how they come through, and map the touch points you already have. So this might be they see a social post, you know, they, they come to the website, like these are all touch points, you know, they get a pop-up message, they sign up, they get, um, you know, a, a product tour, they get a bunch of emails come through, they get a, they get a push to do a sales call. It might be a sales call. Then they become a customer and, and then we carry on. And we're like, wait, so what happens in the first kind of like two weeks? Yeah, okay, I've got to talk to products. It might be product activation. What happens after that in the first three months, you know, which is you kind of like, like your, your, your kind of attention window, like you've got to get them active in three months um, mm-hmm. or less. So what are you doing along that with like drip, drip emails, like different types of comms? It could be in-person stuff. And then what happens for three months to one year? What happens from one year to, to 10 years? I, I kind of like, that, that's why I think about it. I'm like day one, day one yeah. active well pre-day one which which could be like your seven touch points your day one activation you know your first 14 days your first three months and then you know one three months one year and then one year to ten map out everything you do and you might need to get your sales team in your marketing team in your customer success team in your product team in as well and get everyone's talk because people will be doing stuff that you might not realize as well you know and this is like literally the la- like little check-ins of customers it might be support reaching out and checking yeah. that things have been fixed and stuff, yeah? Try and get it all out. Like, really spend some time on this. Every last little thing, events you go to, where people come to your booth and see you, like, the whole lot. So you map that out, yeah? Now, what you want to look at is, is are you satisfied? Like, like are you satisfying needs at these points? Are you injecting some, and I'm biased here, but humanity into that journey? You know, if it's all automated, I, 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 again, I'm biased, but I think every single business should have a bit of humanity in it i think where you have completely automated funnels you're missing a trick yeah mm. and apart from the, the the very low like if you're saying one dollar widgets okay yeah maybe not for you yeah but obviously you have partners that potentially sellers or, or, or shops that sell those who might be a real customer in which case he frames it but a point in that journey somebody turning up and saying thanks is incredibly powerful and if you're not doing that, it needs to go in there somewhere. And, and I think videos are really good medium to do this because it's, it's very trustworthy. It's very real. It's human. It is quick to do now. It's easy. Um, I'd suggest you use that. It doesn't have to be that. But then there's, then there's other touch points here. You can still inject humanity and personalization through email, through social, through everything else. You have some tweets. You, you have some replies to them like, individually. You know, People like Gary V, hate him, I love him, still, yeah. like, still like personally replies to like 10 people a day even today yeah and it's done that yeah. the whole time yeah because the system is really key so look at where you could do this um look at where you could do a better job 
look at where you have too much automation and too little personalization. Um, or it can work the other way. It, it, like you shouldn't just turn on video every day and be like, hey, hey, hey. Like there's a balance here, yeah. Um, yeah. But essentially, what you're looking to do is, is how can you do better and where are the big gaps in this journey. So if you don't talk to people between three months and one year, which is common, other than like maybe your your, your marketing product updates, that's a challenge, right? Because if they get disengaged at month five, you're not going to know until they've gone. Right. And once someone's gone, and you might never hear, like SaaS is easy because people cancel their accounts, you have some time. But if you're like an e-commerce platform, you're never going to hear. You're, yeah. just never, you're just never going to see them again. Yeah. So you map this journey out. Look, look at where you can do better. Look at other tools you can use. Look at, like again, human-focused pieces you can use where they exist. Um, and then, you know, look at how you can do better and buy that some humanity. And the other point is delight as well. I think this kind of comes into yeah. this is like, and the concept of delight is essentially you give them little experiences that are unexpected and like creative. And this can come from anywhere in your company. And by unexpected, I mean, you can do the same experience for every single customer, but they. they <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, as, long, as long as, the, yeah. Yeah. As long as it's unique and exciting to each one, you know. Yeah. I think we, we've seen this um, even with, uh, you know, welcome gifts are, are, are maybe more expected, but like, you know, random check-in like just like hey yeah. we just sent you a, you know a new piece of swag or or whatever it is they don't have to be massive either in our experience at least that that you just you know something just kind of puts a nice positive spin on the company uh and the relationship yeah like we send bear suits to people when they hit like 100 videos <laughs> and then we're like oh they went to make like 500 videos they like the number went up because we got so many customers in yeah but we do this and so for them it was pretty random but for us it was very much process and this is the point again for like like process is great so you build a process here. The points themselves are, are individual and personalized and creative, but it's, it's on a process, yeah? So that because you don't want any customers to slip, slip through, through the gaps. Yeah, as an example, when we first started, we, so we obviously send videos and welcome every single person that signs up individually. We've had like massive influencers come through who we had no idea about. There's, like, there's a guy called Pat Flynn who's, who's a big influence in, in, the, in the kind of SME space. Signs up. We do our usual. We send him some videos. We send him some, some, some like some bear suits for his kids when he hits some milestone. And then one day we get like just like hundreds of signups coming in, and everyone's like, "Oh, Pat Flynn's talking about you on stage." And we're like, "Who's this dude?" <laughs> like, turns out, turns out he's a pretty big deal. None of us ever yeah. heard of him because we're not in that space. But because we treated him like everyone else, and he put the video up of us welcoming him on screen, he's yeah. like, "And look what these guys did." And then we've stayed like very close to him over the years because he's like, "You guys just, just are just good and doing the right thing." you know, like, like with the company. And there's been multiple instances of that. Now we would have missed him if we'd have put, because he, he, like, if we'd have based him on like, you know, his average spend, he would have gone right. through the cracks. Yeah, because he's by no means our highest spender. Yeah, so treat every customer equal because you just don't know. And this will happen, okay? So that's, so, so that's the customer journey part. We take, I'll talk about like, then the scoring part. Yeah, actually to move people up. Um, do you want me to break for a second first? Or do you want me to just roll in? Yeah, no. Let's let's uh, let's let's jump into the let's jump into the uh, the scoring. I mean, I think I'm I'm pretty interested to see kind of you know I, I love just be what I mean. I just I love what we're hearing here around like that that systematic individuality, if you can call it that, and, yeah. and the the humanity being injected in there, um, and just great great kind of thoughts in my opinion about that uh, that space of you know instead of trying to find the few that we're going to really treat well, it's like, can we just create, create a, a, a truly human interaction with everyone? Um, I guess, I guess I have a question though, just, just before we jump yeah. onto that scoring piece, you know, it sounds like 
this is a bit of an involved process of actually mapping out this entire customer journey and this entire, uh, you know, every single communication. Um, once you map this out, I can only imagine that it's a continual effort to keep it up to date, right? Like this is like each yeah. team's kind of changing touch points. Like, is that a big overhead or is it just because in your organization, has it just become kind of par for the course and everyone knows how to keep their, their part of the map up to date? Look, we, we, we can get a massive hole to my, like, brand and culture yeah which is kind of as goes yeah look i think uh, look i think we'll end up talking a, a, like a bit later about like a bit about team structure here yeah yeah, yeah. we can kind of yeah. touch on that yeah but like i think i think this is part of your culture as well you need to understand that it's customer first like attitude now that doesn't necessarily mean all your time but i think that this should be instilled across the whole company so we'll have it yeah so like if like developers yeah. will hop on calls with customers and they're very much customer first as well yeah um I think you have this across the whole, the whole company. So it takes a bit of time to get into. Once you're into it, it should become second nature. Now, in terms of like continual improvement, that's just a cultural thing as well. You should have a cultural continual improvement, which is not just about customer comms. It's about products. It's about sales process, everything else. Yeah. So all these processes, when you have a process, it's only ever the starting point. You need to come back and you should be looking, you know, and there will be areas owned by CS versus sales, but people should be looking back and they should let the other teams who are customer facing know about their changes. So like if sales finds out that, hey, turns out we were bugging people too much in the first week. If we give it another two weeks, we get a better ex example. They feel like CS and CS is like, okay, cool. I'm going to calm down the number of onboarding emails and condense those potentially, right. yeah? So the shared learning yeah. between these, yeah? So, and it is an interdepartmental inter sharing process. Again, the culture part helps, you know, like what we do is we have like a, a weekly meeting with what we, we call it going to market, but it involves like very much customer success as well. And we'll all chat yeah. about what we're doing. So everyone's kind of aware there's that visibility. Uh, but yeah, it, it's continually improving. It's continually improving, you know, changing tactics, trying new stuff, always trying new stuff. I mean, like we're a creative yeah. company, I think. But like, we're like, oh, we'll try written messages. We'll try bear suits. We'll try, <laughs> you know, webinars. You know, more webinars. We'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll try running a podcast. Yeah, customers on it. We'll try all these different things yeah. to try and break through. Like our ultimate goal, again, I'll chat about agency scoring, is like every customer needs to talk to us. If I'm like, hey, this person's been paying us three months, we've never had a conversation with them. Like, how do we get them to talk to us? Because we know if we do that, yeah. they're more likely to like us and stay for longer, you know, irrelevant of their experience with, with the product, right? And if they have problems in the products and they talk to us, we can get them through those. Right. Does that kind of answer no, it? Yeah, no, that, that absolutely uh, makes sense. Um, I, I'd love to dig in and, and understand the scoring because... Um, um, I think that's that's kind of where my brain goes is now. Okay, how do we know? Yeah. How do we know when we've moved them through, and 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 how are you looking at that? Yeah. So like, again, like, I, I like these five stages of you know passive, active, engaged, advocate, super fan. So you need to have something that that can retain scores. So like if you like any sales CRM or most CRMs, like will be able to, like not not all of them, yeah. Like some of the um, marketing ones don't, but you need to be able to have like 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 lead scoring. Yeah, this is an easy way to mm -hmm. do it now. You will build this individual. So I'm going to tell you how kind of we do it, but you'll need to look at how you do it yourself. Yeah. You're basically trying to feed in things that tell you about the engagement and advocacy of a customer that can lead to like a certain score. Now, <clears throat> this might have a like at the base level, like an MPSC SAT element, like mm -hmm. hate or love. I don't, I'm not a fan of MPS, I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's something that could contribute to that. Yeah. So this is a very passive way. <clears throat> Engagement's the next one, yeah? So like I said, we're trying to get every customer to have a conversation with us. The second they have a conversation, their score goes up. 
if they haven't had a conversation, and this is a big one for us, it's like it's like a, like like, like a two times m- multiplier, yeah. So somebody because what mm-hmm. you want to find is people who haven't had conversations. We know are going to be passive. They never even get to engage. Engage for us means talking to us. That's what it means, right? Um, yeah. So for us, that's a huge m- multiplier. You might then have something that if they engage multiple times, there's an additional benefit because that starts to show they're more of an advocate. But essentially, that <clears throat> we we also do things like so we also will do things like referral scores as well. So mm-hmm. we track and we are a product led growth company. We can track this. So if somebody refers other people, if someone's product usage drives other customers to sign up, we have a scoring metric there, which kind of comes to advocate super fan. Um, we also do things around the, the time someone's been with us. So the amount of time they've been with us as a paying customer, um, or if they yeah. cancel and come back again, we'll put that in there. We don't do ARPU. So like we don't do average revenue and we don't do lifetime yeah. value because that, that involves revenue because we've made mistakes there before. Like I said, some of our small paying users are our biggest referrers. So we like to have time with the company irrespective of what they spend, tends to be it. We, we, we systematically took that out. Now, from that, it might not work for every customer. You, you might find that ARPU, for other reasons, actually does define a better, more engaged customer. Um, things like upgrades and, uh, like upgrade is actually a better, I think, a better usage of like how much they spend versus what they spend on yeah. day one. Because if they're upgrading, then they're getting more engaged in the, in the platform. Um, now, there's other things you can bring to this. Things like, you know, social like clout i guess um engagement with your online communities like for us we found it quite hard to get get that into a into a into a lead score and measure that like it's super yeah. hard to do you can almost be a bit more manual um you can layer onto this like manual input as well so also on like sales calls if you do sales calls demos we tag users that gives them a score as well because we know they talk to us um if they're super mm. engaged on those calls we'll give them like again a multiplier score as well so our sales teams input into this our cs teams mm-hmm. input our support team inputs as well and we try and automate as much of this as we can we, we can't automate it all but like the second they they come into comms or applied something you know from intercom we we, we plug that in and we add that as a score so you, you try to build don't worry too much about the automation part to start with try and really work out like what to you signifies like if someone goes from passive to active aka they're logging in every day you know or right. they're purchasing more than once that might be your first signal, yeah, if you're e-coms. That gives them a score. Engaged, comms is the easiest one, but also social. Also communicating on social and stuff can count there too. Advocate, like we use referral scores here um, because it's referring, or if they do a case study with us, or if they do a testimonial, or they leave a review on GT Crowd, or they talk to my product team about um, like Product Insight, or they join one of our beta groups for, for early release products. So you have multiple things mm-hmm. that they can do there, yeah? That makes me advocate super fan. Like this is very good. Like we know our super fans because you <laughs> yeah. can't ignore them. Yeah, and yeah. I wouldn't say go from like advocate to super fan. It, it's pretty random. I wouldn't say we almost have a process there. It just seems like some personality types get there. You know, we get happy. We talk to a lot, a lot, a lot, and they, and they and they always say as an advocate, they never quite go over that line. Um, so kind of like that one's a bit more off the cuff. But essentially, like, like build the score, decide what, what you want to have in it, then see if you can measure it. If you can't measure it, use proxies. Um, it might need to have manual inputs initially, but you need to build up your own scoring method. And if you've done sales lead scoring, it, it's literally the exact same process. And and when you were building that first version of this score for you, uh, for your company, did you know? Did you kind of go with? Um, a data-driven driven approach? Like, were you looking at already product usage data and stuff like that and, yep. and behaviors and saying, okay, we know this, 
Um, or were you just kind of saying, this seems logical, let's start here and, and learn as we go? What was, what was your, your journey to it? Very much a product, I'm a product guy, I'm a product driven company. So yes, like products helped us fill in a bit of the base, but this all it tells me is that if they're active or not. That's actually all it tells me. It doesn't right. tell me, so product usage tells me that, which is a good starting point. The engagement part from our CS, we're like, how do we measure engagement? He's like, it's face, it's like if someone replies to a message. He's like, that's it. He's like, you don't need anything else. He's like, the second they reply, that's what he goes. And if they reply 10 times, yeah, they're more engaged. But the, the important part is like, are they engaged or not at the start? Yeah. So we've tried to simplify it where possible. You know, the advocate thing is we have a referral score. That tends to be our main driver. But then like, we will have to add in like, again, if, if someone does a call, they'll tag it. So we mm-hmm. do have a manual tagging system on top. It's not perfect. Yeah. Like there's human sure. error, error in there. And there's multiple t- stakeholders. Yeah. So you, you get this. This is a miss, but it's a lot better than what we had before. We, we always try and improve this, yeah? And like, I'm like, I love to like, if I could automate the whole thing so we knew what everyone's score was at every single like second without human error, be great. It's free, like, it, it is hard to do. Yeah. And ultimately, mm-hmm. like, hopefully we, like, our goal is to build a platform that can do that for you. So, right. you know, we will plug into, you know, your revenue data and your like CRM data and into you your social and, and try and like track engagement across multiple platforms. Yeah. Cause that, that's, that thing is the only way you can do it. If you can do that and you basically have everyone coming in, you're like, here's the, you know, the advocacy score at any one time. It's beautiful, but to build yeah. your own one, you've got to kind of hack it together, you know, for now, but it's not, it's not, it's not overly complicated. E- even just tracking a little bit of this, if all you have was MPS, it's better than doing nothing. Right. 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 And, and, and I like what you're just kind of saying here. It sounds like, you know, you may have gone on a journey where, you know, some of the, some thinking said, okay, well, like you said, like one con one response is engagement and 10 responses is better engagement. But in reality, actually trying to keep it a, a bit more of a simplified model is just a little more pragmatic and, and probably, you know, just as, or just as value, or at least close enough uh, of the same value. Um, this is what I, I think I'm hearing there. The data, you can go, you can go as deep down data holes as, as you like. I mean, we all do it again. Like, what is, and then you end up, and like the actual data you've got is so small, you're like, hang on a minute, none of this is relevant. This is pretty random, yeah? So you come back up again, you're like, like what's the what's the first lever that really starts that funnel? Um, mm-hmm. Again, simple, easier to make less, well, you won't make as many mistakes. Yeah. Now, now, what's interesting here is you're, you're talking about data teams, you're talking about product usage, you're talking about revenue, success, this, uh, w- what's the scope of the team that's involved um, in, in creating these kind of scores and these kind of systems? You know, uh, what does what does that look like to for somebody who wants to do this? It, so it depends on the size of your t- team and company, right? So this is different for different stages. I'm a huge fan of customer success, like led teams. Um, so we, I would say that we are customer success more. I think, however, we're also very much an inbound, prod led, growth company. So we mm-hmm. are, we, we, we don't have, we don't, we do, we do do some sales now, but, but, but for most of our history, we never, we never, we never do sales. Yeah. We do partnership right. stuff, but we never do sales. So we are very much like inbound conversion and then looking and trying to bring people to success through that. Now, customer success does have quite a product. I think traditionally like a product twist to it. Yeah. So you need to get into product success. We also like to get into like, you know, like I guess engagement success as well. So CS to us might mean slightly different to other people, but I think customer success needs to have a place in any organization, no matter how small you are. And I am biased here. <clears throat> customer success is also the way, it's a term that exists five years ago. It's a framing term, yeah? You might, right. your cap manager might be doing this already, yeah? So, 
you know, but again, like there's a slight, it's like anything, yeah, like the slight blends and where it starts to touch product and marketing more than it, than it maybe traditionally did. So it's not, it's less sales and more like a, like a, a mix of the whole lots. I think one of the best things we ever did is we put somebody, so we, we, we originally used to talk about this idea of delight a lot. I think before we really came to realize it was, it was like reframing loyalty because reframing loyalty is kind of dangerous because it has a, again, it's, it's all linked I to mean, rewards cards, right? Like, yeah, it, it, loyalty has the great euphemism as of rewards that make you spend more money. Yeah. 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 So it, it's like, I'm like, and I'm like, stuff it. We're going to go and change the world perception on that, but it's a hard one. We used to talk about delight a lot as well because that was very much untouched. Delight's not, mm-hmm. again, delight is an element of this. But we made, we basically made one of our team, uh, our chief delight officer, it was one of our junior team who just had like this, this ripping personality who just like every single customer fell in love with you. Like she's like, an, like a, like an acting student that's kind of gone that way now. Um, was like, an act, like came on the board as like an intern and kind of just stayed like this huge personality. Again, wasn't, I think data as like data driven in terms of CS stuff. Yes. We had a CS manager with her, but just like personality wise was like, I'm like, that's our brand. Like she, she could be it. Yeah. Yeah. And so you basically, we basically made her chief love. And I was like, here's the deal. You watch that customer journey. You look at what James is doing on CS, look at what he's doing on marketing, look at what Casey's doing on sales. And if you think at any stage the comms is too boring or it's not got, got a bit of love in it or, or there's gaps missing out, yeah, like come in and tell us, yeah. Like, like, like your job is to make sure that customers are delighted. You know, where you see we're failing, you need to pull us up, yeah. You need to pull the whole senior manager up and just shout out that they're going wrong. You know, you need to jump in. And it was it's kind of quite confronting because she came in and the guys were like, but she's only, and I'm like, doesn't matter if she's junior, like, like, <clears throat> like this is her goal. Um, so having that really changed this, I think the attitude of the whole team that like delight came first. And we still have that within us today. Um, but the, the point here is we put somebody in charge of it. Now you might, you're probably not going to call them a chief delight officer. It might be like chief, chief loyalty or chief customer, like however you want to frame that. Somebody needs to own this chief, chief advocacy officer. Yeah. Sure. So it means to own yeah. it, yeah? Give it a title because then it holds weight and make it public within the team. Announce it within this within your team. And it might be somebody who already holds another role. It doesn't need to be a whole new role. But if somebody owns this and they're responsible for this, then as you start to build the scoring and stuff, this is a person who watches that score every day. And like I said, it might just be MPS. Maybe you just start with MPS as your, as your base point, which is mm-hmm. super easy. There's a million tools to do it. This person obsesses about it and they pull it up and they, and they look at it every day. Now, it should evolve into more than that. Um, but if somebody's responsible and you're saying them every week, how's that score tracking up or down? And then you announce that in front of the whole company, you're like, our score's down this week. What mm-hmm. else can we do? Or you announce it within the customer facing team. Then it starts to, you, your company will build the team around that, I think, in its own way again, because different teams, different mixes, yeah. Um, but they need to be able to pull up sales and they need to be able to pull up marketing and they need to be able to pull up customer success. They need to be able to pull up products. They need to be able to pull up like anyone. You know, yeah. and I found like, like juniors potentially, like I, I quite like juniors in this role. Be, it sounds ridiculous because they're less jaded from the world, right? So, <laughs> you know, they like, they, they have a lot of energy. I think this is a role that needs energy. They have loads of ideas, some which are just like never going to work commercially, but that's kind of the point of this, right? Yeah. Like you're like, oh, you know what? I can't see how we get the ROI. Let's just do it anyway. Yeah. Because some things, again, like tracking back to like, the ROI side will come out and it'll play out in lifetime value. But that's how it plays out. But that's a lagging indicator. So it'll take a long time to really realize that. So some of the stuff you just got to yeah. kind of jump into. Uh, but like, yeah, you need someone with a lot of energy. 
uh, and with the right personality for all this, like just think like who is your who do your customers love the most? If you ask that question, you, yeah, that that's that's your person. So, so it kind of sounds like, you know, you're saying like the, whatever team you wrap around, this might be dependent upon the resources and the size of the company and, and what you're in, but there's kind of this nucleus role, this, this, this person that if they're shining a light on, on what is this loyalty score, what's the customer delight factor that, that, that person, as long as they have the authority to kind of, you know, call on every team, you think that's kind of the, the, the nugget you need to do this is you need at least one person who is tasked with making sure that this score is created, monitored, and others, you know, understand when they are um, are maybe not living up to the standard needed to to keep increasing that score. Is, is that a fair recap? Yeah, like it's it's the simplest way. I'm sure yeah. if you're a twenty thousand person enterprise company, it gets a bit more complicated than that. Yeah, but this is the simplest way. Just just give that one title. I think again, from personal experience, by doing that, the team started to form and change around that. It's like yeah. It's like I'm telling you, like a metaphor. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like it's like a snow, a snow machine. The way snow machines work is they spread out like tiny pieces of like dirt or or, or other stuff. Yeah, and then this, and then that hits hits the sky, and then the snow the the, the ice forms around it and eventually turns into a snowflake. This is that little mm-hmm. thing where you chuck it in, and eventually things will form around it, and then your snowflake will develop, which is your kind of customer like loyalty attitude. Yep, gotta have that condensation nuclei. Exactly. Um, you know, this is really interesting. And what's interesting is we, we've kind of seen this this junior narrative a few times in different conversations we've had where whether it might have been um, success or advocacy or the creation of kind of any of these kind of new roles. And and I don't know if anyone's ever captured it so well to be like, it's a little bit of that energy. So like, you know, unlimited ideas. And it's also that like, I mean, you say lack of jadedness, but it's like that lack of like self-filtering to be like, well, this is just not a commercially viable idea. Yeah. It's like, you need someone who's almost just like, I don't know what's going to work or not, but I'll put all the ideas out there and, and you guys can kind of help me figure out what we can and can't uh, actually do. Um, I, lo- I love that one. I also just, you know, on a personal note, I just love, I love the energy and I love seeing that energy get applied to, uh, to fun things like this. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. We, we are a more creative organization, like different brands, diff- different, different things. Sure. But the most creative person, if you're, not, if you're an accounting firm, someone in there is going to be, you know, creative like in a different way, yeah? So it's, it's all... It's all applicable. You might wear, wear wear suits and ties, but somebody will still have better like better ideas. Yeah, um, I think it's been like a great you know tour of this you know your your view of loyalty and and I'm you know really love this idea of you know the advocacy scoring model uh, and how we get there. Um, any other kind of key pieces of advice that that you think the audience really needs to know to be able to effectively you know apply these ideas inside of their organization? Yeah, I think you have to have a bit, a bit of faith here, right? So I think, you know, when we're, again, when you look at how you join loyalty, there's, there's one part that we talk about too much, which is this idea of like active versus passive, right? So again, back to rewards programs, you see like big airlines, Southwest Airlines have a have a loyalty program, yeah? And like, you know, like big, big supermarkets will have it and yeah, big, big chains will have it, yeah? Those are very, very passive loyalty programs. People will opt in to save money. They'll opt themselves in, they'll fault themselves and they'll do everything themselves. You don't have to talk to them like at all. Now, the one caveat there is that they have massive brands and massive recognition and there's real savings and it's a money-driven thing, yeah? So I wouldn't say it's true loyalty, but people opt into that. Now, if you're a small company, by small, like anything below a thousand people, like most people have never heard of you, right? right? The world's huge. The market is massive. So you need to be more active to generate this stuff, yeah? And like every customer counts, yeah? Like, you know, if you've got 10 customers, like they all count. If you can make them more active, you're going to get more customers faster, yeah? You can grow faster. 
But you can't afford to be passive with that until you get massive. Uh, and the argument is like you should, you should always have an active wing. So you need to actually like step in and you need to turn up on video and chat to customers and back to the referring point where most people don't refer you. You need to ask them, hey, James, right. can you send us a referral? Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Like, hey, what I'm looking for is this, this, and this. He goes, oh, yeah, actually, actually I do know somebody, yeah? Hey, James, you haven't talked to us in a while. I need your on some product research. Like, you need to actively ask for this stuff and drive it and turn up. I need to give, yeah? So, again, if, if you give enough yourself, you'll get back. I wouldn't obsess over the immediate ROI, especially as a smaller team, because, again, what this plays out with, but it is, again, like I said, lagging. It will take three or six months. As this stuff starts to work, you'll see people stay longer. And you'll notice, mm. I mean, when people sign up, put a drop down, how, how did you hear about this? You'll notice the percentage on referral will start to, to go up, right? Like you can track, yeah. track this stuff. Yeah, it's not necessarily immediate. So you try to track like how, how, much, your, how much your audience is coming in from existing customers um, or from looking at social, from forums, how much, how much they're spending, how, how long are they staying? So it does come out. But I think, again, a leap of faith at the beginning that if you do good by your customers, you treat them how you'd like to be treated, like it will yeah. work. And the, the best real world example, I, I don't know if this completely translates, but like Australia is a very coffee driven country. Mm-hmm. So we always use yeah. this barista example. Yeah. So we have baristas who are like you know, the kings and queens of the city. Yeah. Basically, like they, they, they are the ones who make the coffee right. But more importantly, it's not just product. You turn up and they'll remember your name and they'll talk to you five minutes and they'll make your day. You're having a, yeah. you're, you're half asleep in the morning and then they wake you up and then off you go and have a great day. Right. When they move, and they move from one cafe to another. And sitting in these very like small cafe, like small busy cafes, if it's not too far away, you'll go with them. Yeah, you're not loyal to the cafe, yeah. you're loyal to the individual, yeah? Or if the individual obviously runs that cafe, then you stay, yeah? But you'll go sure. with them and they remember thousands of names and thousands of little me life stories and they deliver their product, which has to be acceptable. And it's a real mm-hmm. example of where it's not, it just shows you it's not about the product. The product's gonna be good, but the reason you stay and the reason you follow them is all about this person or the brand or the people in that, in, in, in that, in that cafe. So, so like I always say, be the barista, you know, be, be the great barista, still have great products, but take that barista away and you're going to lose half your customers, no matter how good your product is. You know, and I think that is a, a very great metaphor. And I, I think that kind of, that can capture pretty much everything we've talked about here today, you know, that, that humanity, um, just coming through and, and shining through to really, uh, you know, help us realize that we're loyal to people, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, we're loyal to people. Um, awesome, Matt. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this with with us and our listeners. Uh, I've really enjoyed learning it. I know I've taken a few things away that I'll definitely be uh, be applying after this. Uh, I know our audience did as well. Um, so just thank you uh, very, very much for your time today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Been a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to another great episode of the Advocacy Channel. Join us next time as we uncover more insights from other industry experts like Matt. If you like what you heard and would like to help support the Advocacy Channel, please review, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about customer marketing, head over to the Sasquatch blog or follow us on LinkedIn. The links are in this episode's description. If you're looking to create powerful customer marketing programs that will better help you activate, engage, and retain your customers throughout their entire journey, head over to sasquatch.com through the links in the episode's description and learn more about our referral, loyalty, and rewards platform. That wraps up another great episode of the Advocacy Channel. 
We'll see you real soon.